Hi, friends. You are listening to the EntreEd Talk podcast, where we feature amazing educators and entrepreneurs showcasing how you can bring entrepreneurship into the classroom. We believe entrepreneurship is for everyone. I am your host, Toy Hirschman, and I am so glad you chose to join me on this journey. Let's go. All right, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of the EntreEd Talk podcast. I am beyond over the moon and excited about today's podcast. I have with me here, I'm going to try not to be super fangirly here, guys, but you have to bear with me. Um, I have Kirsten Bagash here, and she is an amazing author and entrepreneur. She is the founder of a wonderful, really cool business called Retro Agogo that is an online seller of retro quiche. I'm not sure if I said that right, but you have to check out this, this business. It's amazing. She also suffered from OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, for two decades before discovering that it had a name and a cure. And she wrote a beautiful book about it called Leaving the OCD Circus, Your Ticket Out of Having, out of having to Control Every Little Thing. Before that, she, before founding her own company, she worked in marketing and sales for several Fortune 500 companies. And she is also a member of the International OCD Foundation. And fun, interesting fact I didn't know, won first place in one of their art competitions, which makes sense if you read her book, because there is some incredible art in there. Um, we are going to dive into all of that. Um, welcome, Kirsten. I am just beyond excited and grateful to have you here today. Thank you, Toy. I'm very excited to be here as well. Very honored and um, just excited to share anything that you think has value for other people to take forward. So this is incredible. And um, I just want to upfront say that I, I sought out and maybe even stalked a little bit, Kirsten, <laughs> to get her on here. Um, because I read her book and it was really a light in the dark for me. So we will touch on that a little bit. But before we dive in, Kirsten, can you please uh, share with our audience as much or as little as you want to about your journey from sort of where you began to where you are now from writing your book, from starting your business and how all of that came together? I know that's a lot, but just I will shut up and let you have the floor and tell our audience that because I know they're going to love this story. It is a really powerful story. Well, thank you. I um, was born in California. And when I was one years old, my parents drove um, to Oak Park, Illinois. And that's really where I had my growing up years. And the first part of my life was kind of splintered. I spent some time with my dad, who was a heavy narcotics user, um, and I would go to his house every other weekend and kind of be a part of the hippie parties and all that. And then I would go back to my regular life with my mom, which was much more buttoned up and conservative. So I kind of had this split. Um, and what was happening in Oak Park was great. I was a kid. I was running around the neighborhood, uh, jumping on my banana seat bike, climbing trees, making mulberry juice with the mulberries. 
having a great time. And I'm so glad that that wonderful golden part of my childhood happened for me. And I'm very sad for people who don't have a chunk of their childhood that they feel is kind of glowy and, and wonderful. Um, but with that said, I came from this background and my dad is, was, pardon me, he's since passed away, um, through me learning, he is and was a sociopath. So he did not have the moral boundaries and the consciousness or consciousness that um, most of us have. And so there was a lot of boundaries broken. Um, there was a lot of him just doing what was comfortable for him, regardless of the hurt and pain he caused others. So I kind of took that with me as I was growing up and tried to bury it. And in junior high and high school, I was in definitely my roughest shape. Um, I had been doing OCD compulsions and obsessions since I was nine when it arrived at my door. If I had to classify myself, I would be bonafiably a checker. Um, I think or thought if I didn't check things just right, that terrible catastrophes would happen and it would all be because of my stupidity or my ignorance or um, not paying enough attention or whatever. So that grew and grew and grew. My self-confidence went way down. I developed an eating disorder. Um, I was just a wreck. And then by, um, I, I didn't apply myself in school either, which was something I learned later. There was a lot of things I should have paid attention to because when I left high school, for instance, I couldn't type. And I thought, typing, who's going to need typing? Why do I need to take this class? And the problem is I kind of looked at everything like that. Um, so I didn't have a lot of tools in my knapsack from basic stuff that I wish I would have paid more attention to. Um, so I went to a junior college. I was not lined up for a university. I did not do my due diligence and get my, my life squared away. Um, and so I did not like my junior college where I went and I felt like a serious big loser and it was terrible. Um, the great thing though, is that at this particular college, I met my husband. And that is like one of the greatest um, gifts in my lifetime is my husband being my best friend um, and helping me and supporting me through life stuff crappy stuff, good stuff, hard stuff. Um, we truly are friends. And so for that, I do thank this junior college. Um, anyway, we got married. I went into marketing and sales at a various, uh, various amounts of um, Fortune 500 companies. And my husband pursued the arts. He's an incredibly gifted artist, illustrator, designer, he went to the American Academy of Art in Chicago and excelled. And he's like the power pack of um, awesome ability and skill and dedication. So he was supportive of my marketing and sales. I was doing my thing. We moved to California. I worked at a toy company. Um, everything was good. However, I had debilitating OCD. And behind closed doors, I was an absolute wreck. So for instance, if I had to leave a message for somebody on the phone, it would just about kill me. I would listen to it at least 30 times. 
um, if not more, and make sure that everything I said was absolutely perfect. I didn't say anything misleading. I didn't take unnecessary pauses. And what I found out after writing my book, Leaving the OCD Circus, was that I also have, um, but very well managed, just right OCD. So in my mind, I have this target of what I'm supposed to hit and how I'm supposed to excel and how I'm supposed to be, or even down to how I pick out the plums at the grocery store, which ones I pick out, how they go in the bag, um, everything. And all the time you don't feel just right. So you do all this crazy apeshit stuff to feel just right. Um, so this was really my relationship with monkey and monkey is my OCD. And um, in career, I was doing well in personal life. Um, I knew I was really trapped and in, in dire need of help. I did not know though, that what I had was OCD. So I couldn't name it to tame it. And that's not my slogan. Someone actually has a website that talks about naming things to tame them. Um, and when I found out that I had OCD, my whole world opened up. And I was like, oh, dear God, there's a name for this torture. I had no idea that it was even a thing. And now you go to find information about OCD and you can get online, you can go to the bookstore, you can whatever, you're going to find a ton of stuff, right? At the time that um, I was suffering from it, I did not have a lot of resources, um, which made it difficult, but it did make me take the book Brain Lock and carry it around like a Bible because it really helped me um, manage my OCD and my stress. Um, before I found that book though, I had a total meltdown in Walnut Creek, California, um, just about couldn't walk, got stuck in the middle of heavy traffic. And it was just, my world had finally collapsed in on me to the very core, to every thought, every breath. And I was just paralyzed. My husband was kind and decent and got me to the car and we both said, something's going on here that's bigger than us. We need to figure out what this is. He heard a PSA on NPR that said, do you have these symptoms, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, oh my God, oh my God, that sounds just like Kirsten, oh my God, maybe this is what it is. I got home, um, I listened to what he was recapping from what he heard. And um, it was about OCD and about getting help and who I could call. I did, I met a doctor. Um, and this is in the story where I did get the brain lock. I brought brain lock in too soon because I think it's such a wonderful book. Um, it should be ahead of a lot of things. And I hope people go get that book because it's wonderful. But anyway, so I go to this doctor, he's awesome. I start learning, I start, figuring out that pretty much my life had been robbed. And I told the doctor that 90% of my brain juice was being held hostage by who I call monkey, dictating my every move and critiquing me and being mean and terrible and um, dislodging me from being able to have any joy. Um, so I had this thing. And then he said, well, you know, with 10% of your, your brain, think about all you've accomplished. And I was like, and, and having OCD, usually you don't feel real good about yourself. So 
I thought about it and I was like, you know, I use 10% and there's another 90% that is being held hostage and used against me to torment me. If I can access that 90%, oh my God, what I could do. And it was at that moment that I was like, oh, fuck this. I am not going to allow myself to have my entire life and existence robbed and I will do and I will climb and claw any mountain that's in front of me to get myself to a better place to get Monkey to shut the fuck up and allow me to live with some joy and some ease. And that became the fight of my life. Um, that was also the turning point when some more energy became available to me and I started to go, wait a second, I'm doing exposure therapies, I'm managing myself, I'm doing cognitive behavior therapy, I'm reading my books, doing my homework, and I'm starting to feel like, you know, maybe I can be in the driver's seat of my life. And just that opportunity of, oh my God, this could be true, was mind-blowing, and I felt like, I need to harness all this good stuff that's coming back to me and really get my life on track to A, my authentic self, and B, living a life that is fulfilling, not like in a Hallmark card when it says, you know, hey, I hope this is, you know, fulfilling or whatever, um, not in a light way, but in a real way, because I did not have that at all. And there, I will take a breath. <laughs> that kind of got us through the weeds. That got us through some of the stuff. Um, so now I'm kind of at the state of I can share more from this point where I went and how I got there. It's so it's so incredible. And um, you know, I've read your book multiple times. <laughs> And, and listen to it. And I, I shared with the story. It's, it's, it's a really, and we'll talk about how that happened, but it's a really beautiful, a really beautiful book. And I love that you talk about, about brain lock as well, because I did the same thing. That was kind of the first book that I found. Um, I, for my audience, some of you may know if you've listened to the past several episodes, but I suffered also from debilitating OCD and it wasn't until I got the right help. I, um, I was luckier than Kirsten that I had a name for it uh, when I was 12. Unfortunately, from 12 to 42 or 41, um, I didn't have the right treatment. So that is, is part of the catalyst of having Kirsten on and, and then finding out, reading her book, finding out all about her business and everything that she's going to share is, is it's just really great. She's an entrepreneur through the book. She's an entrepreneur through her business. And she's also an educator for a while, which is all of the things that we talk about here at Entre Talk Podcast. So um, yeah, I, I love I love that um, I had that aha moment as well when um, someone said to me, yeah, look what you did with, yeah, I think it was a third of my brain is what they you know, explained to me. Like, I'm like, yeah, you're right, because I've got this like little piece that I can still use and somehow get through school and somehow have a career. And, and so it's I'm excited to now I feel like I have so much more to give. So well, let's talk about let's talk about the book a little bit. And what inspired you to write it and turn this this pain, this 
horrible soul sucking monster <laughs> into, cause that's what it is folks um, in, into something that could help others and be a light for other people. Well, first I had to get my footing and understand who I really was because the 90% came back and it became evident that there was some things that I really liked to do that I hadn't done for, you know, 25 years. And that had been just kind of shut out. Um, so I had to learn, what do I like? What don't I like? And in the book, I talk about going, um, I guess it's called sky sailing or something like that. And I could always make it through these big, fearful things that other people were scared of because I would find a spot in my mind to hide out with my OCD. So I wasn't fully present. So becoming fully present was like, oh, my God. And it was up high above the ocean. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm cool. I'm sailing. This is great. And then it was like, oh, my God, there's an ocean down below. There's sharks. What the fuck am I doing? And it was like I woke up and I was like, I had no idea I was afraid of heights. Oh, my God, get me down. So it was like I had to greet this new person that was really who I was instead of the character that that 10% allowed me to create, you know. And there's something to be said you know, when you, when you look at people, there's things you don't know. So people would look at me on the outside. Oh, she's buttoned up. Oh, she's successful. You know, things must be going good for her. Life must be easy. And people didn't know the road that I have been traveling. And what that did for me is it got me out of myself because OCD, it's all like self-inflicted and, um, you know, kind of looping back to you all the time, that I was like, wait a second, it's not just my journey of pain and suffering. There's all these other people out there that also have stories. And it kind of started to, my heart kind of warmed more. And I started to feel more compassion for others when I had compassion for myself. And I remember when I was a kid, there was this airline commercial and it talked about, or maybe it wasn't a commercial, maybe it was something you see when you're riding on a plane, but it always talks about, you know, if you have a little kid next to you and you need the oxygen thing, always take some oxygen yourself before you administer it to others. And there's so much truth in that, that getting my arms around and managing and getting better with OCD allowed me to give to other people. And um, I also had to discover, you know, who am I? And what is this all about? So I almost feel like I had have a second life that was that was given to me. And I'm getting to be the person that I really wish I could have been working on since the beginning of time, I kind of went astray and got into drugs and alcohol and I was promiscuous and, you know, just um, a train wreck would be a good description. Basically off the rail, the trains flipped upside down, the windows are cracked. Um, it's a terrible scene. And, you know, guess what? I was up front. So um, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be a train wreck. I want to do more. I don't like the corporate culture. I don't, I don't like um, feeling pent up. Um, I 
want to do things that allows me to be more creative and access my 90%, um, not just, you know, creating a, a brochure for someone else's vision of, of toys or someone else's vision of, um, you know, something they need in the car industry, like a catalog or whatever. Yeah, I can do it. And I did it, but it wasn't satisfying. And um, I knew I wanted to do more with this kind of new life that that um, was available to me. So one of the things that I did along my my journey, because I really feel that I have the soul of a poet and I'm very emotional and sensitive. And my husband and I would go antique shopping and I'd see old postcards or old greeting cards or notes or pictures of monkeys or all different things. And I started to kind of save all these pieces of paper on my life's journey. And I had a huge amount of ephemera and old paper notes that I wrote. Maybe I was sitting outside when I was anorexic and taking notes about what it really felt like and, um, or whatever. So just like journals and notes and clippings and, you know, vintage postcards. And I kind of had this big, huge amount of it. And I was like, you know, I should really do something with all of this. I don't know what I would do or how it could ever be cohesive, but there's a lot of stuff here to access. And it was kind of like when I was accessing my 90% of my brain juice, I was like, hey, I also have this like huge amount of stuff. I, I was a good note taker on my journey. And I thought, you know, what if my journey, instead of just being hellish and torturous and amounting to a big zero, what if that journey actually has value? What if that journey just doesn't have to be me being tortured and derailing and being a train wreck? What if there's something here that's actually good? And that's when I had the idea of, I wonder if I could take all this stuff that kind of goes through the walk of my life. And if I could turn them into breadcrumbs to help other people get out of their dark forest, like what if this could actually be breadcrumbs to help other people that are suffering? And that was really powerful. It was like, whoa, wait a second. Could that be a thing? And because I had access to the good juice, I was like, oh, hell girl, yeah, that can be a thing. Because yeah. I wasn't the one that was like, no, no, you're not perfect. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. No, no. Who do you think you are? Um, it was kind of like, wait a second. Maybe I can take this and turn it into something. Um, and just that joy of realizing, you know, and, and I don't mean this in a spiritual sense, like Buddhism or Catholicism or being Christian. I don't mean it in what church do you go to type of thing. I mean it in the spiritual sense of however you got here, whatever that power is, whatever that force, whatever you believe. I always thought that that entity or that thing or that energy or whatever you know, must think I was a real terrible person to have like gave me so many lashings for so many years that, you know, I must be deserving of this punishment. And I thought, wait a second, what if it's not punishment and I turn it around and I take my big pile of donkey crap and I turn it into something that's good for other people? Oh my God, now my life can actually have purpose. And if I can share things 
and help other people, then that helps me make sense of my journey. It helps me go, this is why, this is why you had these things so you can articulate it and help other people. And so the book became something that I started to um, want to pursue. And I know that sounds kind of corny, but when I started doing better and started finding out more of who I was and what I was made of, I felt like, yay, you know, skip in the park. I found the daisies. I'm out of the train wreck. Yay, I'm free. Woo. And it was like haunting me that I knew behind me there was like prisons with all these eyeballs looking out the windows and through the bars needing help that were trapped and that were suffering. And I was like, well, I'm good. So let me keep on being good and yay. And it was like, girl, who you are is the person that goes back and does everything to help these people. Well, I am, I for one am one of those people. And so appreciative of, of your book. And um, it was, you know, it, when you're, when you're struggling with this disorder, it, it, you know, and it, the media, the media really has it wrong a lot where we're, we're getting better, thank goodness. Um, but, you know, the media puts this kind of funny spin on OCD, like, okay, I, I'm super organized, but any, anyone that knows me um, knows that that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you can be super organized, but if you're if you're super organized because you think something bad's going to happen, then maybe you have OCD. But otherwise, it's not that way. And you know, mine manifested in a terrible way, and and yours did, and and everyone's is a little bit different. But that kind of that that feeling and that dark night of the soul, and the frustration and the stress and the prison that you feel is similar for across the board. It's just the content might be a little bit different because it's personal and it's what scares the hell out of you the most. So um, I remember uh, I heard you speak on um, a podcast, the OCD Stories podcast, and I immediately went out and got your book. And I don't know, I was uh, maybe a chapter in and I traveled a lot. So I, I looked and by goodness, there was an audio book. So I was very excited about that. And um, I remember listening to this thing sitting in a parking lot, I had to go to a meeting. I, sorry, Jean, I was in, <laughs> I was getting ready to go in this meeting. I don't think I was late, but it was one story that was so visceral and so familiar to me that my, I, I'm sitting in the car, the car was off, the radio there, the, the audiobook is still on, my mouth is hanging open. And I think I walked into this meeting, like half in tears, red bloodshot eyes, like, this was something that I, your book was the first thing I saw that it, it was, whoa, this beautiful person was able to get out of this. I can get out of this. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it's, it's so well done and um, beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I encourage anyone who is suffering or knows somebody or just wants to understand this. It's, it's a, first, it's a great story <laughs> by, by, by any story account. Um, but what's really wonderful is that Kirsten does an amazing job of capturing that pain. Um, and I can only imagine how difficult it was to write, but 
and in part be cathartic too, but capturing that pain and that, that feeling, you really can kind of feel what she's going through. And then um, what I really found interesting and, and helpful was that in each sort of section you have, okay, this is my story, which is so illustrative of, of everything that you went through, but then, okay, here's what you need to know. So if you don't have this exact situation that you were in, or that I was in, or that somebody else is in, because it manifests differently. Th these are the these are kind of the building blocks. These are some of the resources, and that's also very helpful. So it's it's really well done, and I I, I for one appreciate more than you know, um, which is why I stalked you on Facebook yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you that you wrote it, and I'm sure um, other people feel that way as well. Yay. So um, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> a little choked up folks. All right. So you used, um, in a, in a sense, you, you used what you were, you know, you kind of had in a little bit, it sounds like an escape from, from your monkey when you went and did this antiquing and, and you explain in the book too, about sort of how that just feeling that like who, who wore this hat before, who did, you know, these stories behind all of these, these pieces that, in some way gave you a little bit of uh, relief from what you were going through. And then you turned that into a incredibly fun and exciting business. And I'd love for you to share how you built that and, and, you know, working where you did for these big companies, that's a big, that's a big jump. And we talk about that on our, on this podcast a lot where it's, you know, when do you decide to make that, transition from this corporate situation that has the benefits and the pay and it's for all intents and purposes safe to go and this is my passion this is what I love I'm going for being healthy I'm going for my wellness program I'm going for joy I'm going for these things but I'm in this job that I don't like and I feel sad when I pull up in the parking lot and I think oh my gosh my life is is passing me by and I'm not really loving what I'm doing. And again, I don't mean that in a, um, in a superficial sense at all. I could have kept doing what I was doing, but I was not in the right environment. And it's kind of like, you know, a fish out of water, so to say. Um, the way that it is structured, everything about it, was not a good fit. The glove did not fit the hand and I knew that. So again, it became my job to say, okay, well, if, if this isn't working, then what, what would work? Where would you be able to apply your effort um, to find it, you know, something that would be worth pursuing? And one of the things that I have to say about OCD is that this character monkey that I talk about, he was in the driver's seat and I was in the passenger car and he was deciding where we were going to go and how we were going to get there. And he was awfully mean all of the time and would reach over and bite me. And it was horrific. So I thought, you know what, if I could turn this motherfucker into my worker and he comes to me to find out what the hell we're going to do today, um, I would like that a lot better. I don't like being in the sidecar of my life. And I don't like this maniac uh, being behind the wheel. And 
the thing about being creative is that I make great movies in my head, you know? So when Monkey would access my creativity, he would wield it like a big slicing sword and take it out on me. And I thought, whoa, what if I could take that storytelling ability? What if I could take that creativity that he's using to break me down to build something up? So Monkey's going to have to be occupied because he's going to have a new job to do. Um, so I need to keep him very busy. But I also need to keep myself in the driver's seat and keep him in the sidecar and um, do that so I can build the life that I want. Because I'm not going to build the life from the sidecar. I'm only going to build it if I'm the driver, you know. And I've never been one to wait for my real life to happen. It was like, my real life is happening right now. Where do I need to go? What do I need to do? And just like I put OCD and becoming well on the horizon, I put my career and my future on the horizon. And I said, where exactly do we want to go? And like I had said, the corporate life and existence and culture mainly um, was not fitting. So I knew being my own boss was really going to be the best approach. And um, people who've known me in my past would go, yeah, that probably would be better for you. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, I was sitting there one day in my husband's studio and he collects vintage art and vintage magazines and movie posters and all this great stuff. Some of it's out in the house. A lot of it was what um, artists have called flat files where everything stays real flat. They're real shallow drawers. So you don't stack too much paper and wrinkle it or, or, you know, make it flawed in any way, not in the OCD way. No, no, just in the regular kind of way. <laughs> um, not perfect. We're just going for very good and okay. Um, so anyway, I said, you know, Doug, you've got all this amazing art, like all these beautiful pinup girls on these magazines called, you know, look um, is one of them. Um, wouldn't it be fantastic? Film fun is another one. Wouldn't it be great if I could take these girls that are in their cute little bathing suits sitting poolside or whatever, very decent, not like today's, you know, pop music. You go, Oh my God. Um, do you know what they're saying? You know, it's like, just like wowza. Anyway, this stuff was much more mild. And I thought, what if I took these images and shrunk them down and made little necklaces that looked like the covers of magazines? That would be cool. I was like, I think that would be great. Um, and then I was like, well, if I do that with necklaces, which I was not a jewelry maker, so I had to teach myself how to become that. Um, but I'll tell you, when your motivation is to not go backwards, um, that is pretty good motivation because I was only going to go forward. Um, and I made some necklaces and then I made some coasters all with vintage art, kind of some of the coasters were kind of smart assy and um, the necklaces, you know, had pinups on them and so forth. And my sister-in-law said, you know, who would really like this stuff? And I was like, who? Like, <laughs> like, tell me, give me their names and numbers. I'll call them personally. Um, she said, there's a show in Indianapolis. It's a big rockabilly show. People who like uh, retro music and vintage clothes and stuff, they're going to be there. And you can get a little table and you can sell your stuff. 
um, to this to this market to these people. So we went, and I was of course very nervous, and um, I was the only one that was like awake and at my table on time. There's literally people selling their stuff that came out of their hotel rooms because the sale was at the hotel room in the uh, atrium and then the car show and music show was outside. And there's people that were going to be selling at their booths and they were walking out of their hotel room in their pajamas with straws out of big, huge blenders, drinking margaritas from the night before. And I was like, Oh (laughs) my God, where have I put myself? Um, But anyway, everyone sobered up just enough to be good shoppers. Um, And I sold out of all my stuff. And I was like, wait a second, people actually like this stuff. Holy smokes. And for me, and I would say, you know, speaking on behalf of entrepreneurs or people that say, huh, do I have that spirit? It's being able to take an ember of something and catch a light, catch a spark and go, you know what? From that little flint, from that little spark, that could turn into fire. Right. And I think that's what separates people that are entrepreneurial versus not entrepreneurial is that I see sparks everywhere and I go, Oh, all this stuff could turn into better things. Okay. Um, And so that was kind of the, what if I took retro images and put them on things? That was kind of the whole idea of retro a go, go. That is so cool. That is so cool. It, it, It just kind of came together too, that you had this, this friend who was like, I know this thing that you could go try. Um, and you share a bunch about the, like the trade shows and stuff in your book too. And I would just, they sound amazing. <laughs> I'd probably be the one coming out with my, in my pajamas with the margarita. Picture, <laughs> that would have been me <laughs> for sure. Uh, and you know what? There's that there's room for that too. There's room for everybody and everything. Um, so with this idea of, Hey, I could make stuff and just to, Also, anybody who's thinking about being an entrepreneur or whatever, that door opened for me and it was like, yay, these rockabilly people like my stuff. Yay. Right. Um, It wasn't like every door was like a big yay and everything was just green lighted and and my life was terrific ever, ever from that moment. Not at all. Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. But going backwards, remember I said, I'm not doing that. I'm going forward. I will navigate my way. I will find my way through. And um, my stepdad, who was, um, he has since passed, curmudgeon is not the right word, but intense, um, deliberate, demanding, easily offended, all of those things, yes. And he also had a very bright and sunny side that a lot of people only saw that, and that's cool, and I'm glad. Um, and I did get some of that good side too, but I also got the hammer and I showed him my coaster and I was like, look, and I was so excited. And my mom, who's always been in my corner was like, oh, yay, my daughter's making something wonderful. Yay. I love it. And he looked at it and said, you really think somebody's going to buy this? And that was that door. So if you're out there and you don't get everybody's approval and everyone's like, yay, thumbs up to you, green light, white flag, go for it. Um, You got to continue to feel that way about yourself and about your dream and about your vision and not really need all of that gratification that would be so nice if everybody just, you know, went along with what we all wanted to do. So tons of roadblocks, things like that. Um, But the, 
the line started to turn into what else could I do? And then I thought, and then this is where the sales and marketing came in. I said, you know, I better go check out some stores that I think are cool and awesome that whatever this product is I'm going to be making, which I really did not know, um, I want it to go in this kind of store. Like I need to go find my stores. Like who would put this necklace at the counter display, right? Who is that person? Who is that store owner? Um, so I went all through Detroit and Ann Arbor and Lansing and Grand Rapids. And I started to, and this is where it's really funny. I would go in and I would take um, notes about the store, like where good placement would be or whatever. And I think they thought I was like a spy, <laughs> like trying to, I don't know, take notes on, on them. I don't know. Maybe they were paranoid, um, but nobody liked it when I walked in with the notebook. So I stopped bringing in the notebook. Um but I really was like, okay, these are the kind of stores that would embrace what I'm doing. And I love the store owners and strangely, but not strangely, they all had interesting um, names. The store names were fascinating. So I have nothing against Ford Motor Company, huge, successful, talk about an entrepreneur, right? But Ford Motor Company um, isn't as exciting of a name anyway as like the junk man's daughter. So like oh, I would have cool. stores and like the junk man's daughter. Oh my God, that's cool. Um, you know, and that really told me that I was in the right realm and that I had something that I needed to grow and that I needed to foster and then I needed to do. So it became kind of this need, like the same need to get out of the restraints of OCD and get on with it became, I need to get out of the restraints of the corporate life that's laid out before me and really access my freedom, get, get Mr. Monkey Man to be on board, get that 90%, use that mojo, let's go. And so the, the oomph was there. And then I needed to kind of formulate my plan. I love that. I love that. And the idea of that you kind of became more of a warrior instead of a prisoner and said, okay, I'm not going backwards. I might not be perfect, but I'm not going backwards. And, you know, to just keep going one step forward. And I, and I think um, I like this idea of that you're, you know, saying using, using monkey to, to your benefit and putting him to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because talk about someone who's exacting, militant, has strong drive, has the ability for perfection. I mean, all that stuff is like, I, that's some that I, I can utilize some of that stuff, you know, um, but I want to utilize it. So it's a benefit to others and a benefit to myself and not just crippling, you know, yeah. like re, re, re um, aligning realigning kind of like when you go and your car has to be realigned um it was a realigning of self and a realigning of accessing who authentically and again a buzzword so i almost don't even like to say it but um i was happiest in that golden phase of my childhood in oak park when i played i put on basement theater i put on bake sales um, one time I went to my grandma and grandpa's house, I took all their 
shoes out of their closet and I made my own shoe store and tagged everything with prices and made them come in and try them on. My grandpa was awesome. He always liked the fit. Um, he was always very happy to get a bag of his shoes. Um, <laughs> and that's when I played and I played hard and I loved life. And I had this shit going on with my dad and the trauma. And there's even in my uh, wheelhouse molestation, which is yet a whole another topic we're not talking about today. Um, but that was the garbage. And then the golden stuff was, was my childhood in Oak Park. And I was thinking, you know, I like that person who I was in Oak Park. Like, I liked myself as a kid. And I started to go, what did I like to do? You know, and it was like, I remember one, um, actually two moms in the neighborhood, I had two younger girls, and they would look to me for ideas, like, what are we going to do today? And I would tell them, we're going to do this, we're going to put on a sale, we're going to, you know, um, play Starsky and Hutch, we're going to do, you know, whatever. Um, and the moms thought I was too bossy. They were like, <laughs> they had a big meeting with my mom, and they said, we just are bringing this to your attention. We think Kirsten is too bossy. And I got that back from my mom. I'm like, bossy. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like, and I've talked to these girls since and they're like, I'm so grateful because like we had so much great fun and so many things going on and projects and basement theater. And I'm like grateful that you were at the helm of all the activity. Um, and that's kind of where I am now with Retro Gogo. So I became the boss again. And am I bossy? hell yeah, I'm bossy. You got to be bossy. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you can't be like a little waif and wallflower and like, oh, just walk all over me. You got to fight. You got to fight hard. Um, you got to fight good. I, See, um, I, think, I think that that term is changing a little bit. So you're like, now you're the boss. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, the boss. Like this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. Um, so just kind of going, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to kind of take a look at that childhood and, and what made me so happy and what did I like? And I loved creating and I loved, we have nothing happening in the basement and I'm going to turn it into a theater and I'm going to make amazing tickets and we're all going to have roles and lines and put on a show and, um, Carol Burnett was really big and all these variety shows. So I think that. I just thought I was like doing some kind of program, of course, just in my mind. Um, but people were nice enough to come and clap. And it was, you know, all kinds of fun, the basement theater. But it's putting on shows. And when I go and do shows at Retro Gogo, I start with nothing. I start with concrete and I have to build it from the ground up and create something, create an environment, create a scene, create a journey for people. And so I was like, you know, I'm kind of back to what I enjoyed way back when. And I've talked to people and they're like, I don't know what to do with myself. It's all so hard. I don't know my authentic self. What do I do? And I was like, here you'd go. When you go into a bookstore, not you're going for a book because someone tells you to. Where do you gravitate? Where do you go? What do you like? Not that it's orchestrated by your job, but where do you find yourself, you know? And I find myself in like baking and cooking because I like making and creating. And when I worked at corporate jobs, it wasn't like I had that direct connection to my authentic self like I have now. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. And I'm so thankful every day 
that I'm living and I'm alive. And I, I wasn't that person. And I can't stress it enough. The dark crevices of the world that I've crawled out of. One time I was doing a lot of cocaine. I was like in a neighborhood I was unfamiliar with and I was doing cocaine on the back of a toilet. And I step out and this crazy person literally has a shotgun to my head. Like he apparently got into this bar with a shotgun, you know, so it kind of tells you maybe this isn't a good place to be. Um, and I just looked and I was just like, oh, I better duck. So I just like ducked and moved myself out of the way. And there was just another part of the day to do blow in a shitty tavern bar, you know, with strangers on the back of a toilet. And then, oh yeah, I need to get out of the sights of the shotgun. Yeah. Let me go light up a cigarette, you know? So yeah, dark, 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 very dark, super dark, but the flip side, and this is where, where it gets good is if you can flip the script then I went from the darkest corners of my own psyche, my own behavior, life, choices, relationships, dark, went from the black and retro-gogo is the light. And retro-gogo makes people happy. It makes people think of their childhood. Like we'll do a show and, and we do these really cool giant wall decor pieces that look like vintage um, Halloween masks, right? And people that are in their 40s at San Diego Comic-Con come running into the booth. They're like, oh, my God, you've got Wolfman. That's the same one I used to wear. Oh, my God. My mom was so cool. Like, I would wear this, like, cape, and then she'd sew on fake fur on the front so I could really be a wolf. And they, like, tear up, and it's like they're reminded of that golden part of their childhood where it's really exciting and it feels good and it feels positive. Products that we make and where we sell them um, people feel really keen about that wonderful time of their childhood. And so, so many of our products, I can't think of any that aren't really, that somehow tie back to the goodness that you can feel, you know, and um, that's what's exciting is that we can create things that make people feel good. And the funny thing is, it's not like paying your light bill and it's not like, you know, paying, you know, for car repair or whatever. People are spending their money with us to get joy and to get things that they love that they don't even necessarily need, but they like to have around. Um, so that's a big part of who the people um, that are the shoppers at retrogogo.com is, you know, they want to take this expendable cash and buy things that make them happy. And I'm very happy to be on the, again, cliche journey, sorry, but on the journey um, where I can really help other people feel good and vivacious and reminded of that golden aspect of their own life and their own childhood. I love that. That's, I love the bookstore idea because a lot of times people do, they say that I'm, I'm not going to use those terms either, but the <laughs> that authenticness, like, where do I find my passion? What do I do? And, and that seems like such a big, scary idea almost because nobody really knows what that means. But the idea of going into, okay, where do you go when you go into a bookstore? Where do you go when you're just walking by? What, what do you do? And yeah. Doug always goes to the art section always. And he loves to see other illustrators and artwork. And, you know, that's his normal 
you know, gravitational pull. And I finally got him out of the corporate world and he is our lead art director. And that's a big part of why we have awesome products is because he's the designer and the artist and creator. And I, I'm with him. We kind of work in tandem. Um, and then I really work hard to bring it to the market, but you know, he's in the art section and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be in like the accounting books or something like that for my good time. I've learned how to do things for the business, but it's not my normal where I want to find myself is, you know, thumbing through, you know, that kind of thing. That's awesome. I, it's, it's so cool too, because, you know, you talked earlier about feeling like you'd been robbed and that's what, you know, that's what OCD feels like. It's, but, but even besides OCD, you know, a lot of people kind of, as they, they get older, they forget about those things that truly lit them up. And I love that what you're bringing to the world are those things that just give you that all of a sudden you see something and go like the Wolfman, like, or, you know, you see something like, um, you know, a tea set or something from your childhood. And you're like, wow. Oh yeah. I remember I used to, I used to love that. And we forget about those cool sparks and things. And um, I'm just going to share a silly story, but I, this past weekend, <laughs> haphazard, um, yeah, I used to like to do plays in my basement and my neighborhood and stuff. And they were probably really goofy, but it was fun. And, you know, I'd write the script and everything. And just by accident this weekend, I ended up being recruited to just do a play reading. And it was, you know, 10 minutes, <laughs> but it was like the rest of the day, I, it was like, I was on some kind of, you know, narcotic or something. I don't know. I was like, this was, it was such a beautiful day, but it was because of this little experience. And I, and I had to, I got to share it with my, my children, which was, which made it even more cool. But, you know, and then we went and got ice cream after and it was just like, well, I just forgot that I could even have a tiny piece of my day like that. It was amazing. Well, it's kind of those, those uh, embers that, you know, when they spark up when you were, you know, reading or, or what have you, um, those embers spark up and light you up. And that is very exciting. And it's also very energizing. You know, um, so those internal sparks are really fantastic because they do get you fueled up, get you excited. Yeah, it's amazing how we put those to bed for so long sometimes, but they're still there. They're just dormant. <laughs> I know. It's like, I think there's some people that, you know, do you remember playing miniature golf? And it's like, do you remember you really had a good time, like trying to get the ball through the windmill or whatever, like take an hour out of your day and go play miniature golf. Like you can, you can do things that you love. It's okay. It's, it's like encouraged. And when you're happy and doing what you love, then I do think that it touches other people, you know? Um, and because of retro go, go and being able to have this business, it gives me that opportunity. I bet you hear some great stories from people. I bet that's really exciting. Um, I do. Um, probably some of the greatest stories, though, are when I used to welcome people to their houses. So when I was in my 20s, 
um, my job was to welcome people to the town or whatever. And it was really ironic because the seven towns that I welcomed people to, none of them were towns that I lived in. <laughs> so I'm like, welcome to Elmhurst. And then I'd be like, here's your school district. Here's what district you're in for voting. You know, need a dentist? Check out this guy. Um, so I did it for these seven different towns and the wackiest, weirdest things were going into people's houses. It was like, whoa, whoa. Um, so it was freaky deaky that I would like be in their world. And just like people, you know, you look at them and you don't really know what makes them up or makes them tick or whatever. It's kind of like all these doors in suburbia or out in the country, like may look like a normal house with a door, but then you got what's inside. You know, how do people really live? How do they go about their day? And it was terrifying. <laughs> On one hand, it was like, oh my God, you know. Um, I know I saw like an incest family because everybody was there, grandpa, grandma, sister, brother, and they all looked alike. And I was like, this is weird. Like you all have the same bone structure, like why? You know, like, why does this husband and wife look like brother and sister? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to just like keep my oh. shit together, but I'm like polarized by like what I'm taking in. Um, so anyways, that was, th those are in the, in the stories. Those are some, some stories to be told for sure. That's incredible. That's so funny. <laughs> you know, I, I guess part partly with the self-doubt and all this stuff you know I'm always trying I I'm, get, I'm getting out of it now though but but just always trying to compare myself with other people and you know feel like my house doesn't have all the cool things that I'm supposed to have and we don't have the cool tool you know stuff for my kids and um, my husband works for a power company and he's always telling because he goes he collects he's the collections guy right so he's always telling me he's like, you have no idea you know all the time. You have no idea how fortunate you are and how much you should appreciate, which I do now, but it took me a long time to get to not feeling like I failed and I, I don't make enough money and I don't, blah, 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 you know, right. but it's, um, it's, it's really amazing. It's, and he hears some good stories too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some of the ones he can't even share with me, but um, it's, it's incredible. And, 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 you know, people are people. And it's, that is very true. They certainly are. Um, and as well as those stories, I also think of everybody is a story, you know, and when all is said and done and you look back on your life, are you going to like the story? You know, we're all stories. I happen to tell my story in a book, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that everybody doesn't have a book inside of them. Everybody has experiences. Everybody has hurt, joy. Hopefully everybody has joy, texture, all of that. We're all stories. So when all is said and done and you look back, did you go for it? Did you pursue the things you wanted to pursue? Did you do the things you wanted to do? And I really didn't want to be one of those people that was woulda, shoulda, coulda, I want to be, you know, I went for it. Was it perfect? No. Was it hard? Yes. Was there times that I was like, I really don't know how I'm going to pay the bills? Yes. Was there tremendous sacrifice? Yes. Has there been many tears? Yes. But when all is said and done, did I go for it? And the answer is yes. And that is the only way 
I ever could have been pleased with myself was to really go for life. And when, you know, OCD took 90%, if I would be like, oh, well, that's because I really have severe OCD, I guess, scary, oh, whatever. It was like, no, 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 no. Who I am, I'm going to, I'm going to get access to that 90%. And who I am, I'm going to get monkey to report to me, you know, and who I am, I would rather jump in and go for it than be scared and never have made a move. I don't want on my epitaph to say, you know, never went for it, (laughs) never tried, lived a mediocre life, basically unhappy. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't want that on my gravestone. You know, I want, I want something with a little more uh, spark to it. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that's what, I think that's what we all ultimately want. And I'm just so appreciative that you shared this, this with us today. And I was thinking of my grandfather who, um, when, when he was alive and he, he said, he used to say two things. He said, um, the only regret he ever had in life was not regretting more. And the, <laughs> and then he always said, eat your dessert first. And he literally did that. He lived by that. He, we would go out to dinner and he would order a bowl of ice cream oh, and yeah. then decide if he wanted something else. <laughs> right. I love that. See, that is amazing. I love, love, love. Get the ice cream. Do it. Why not? live and that's the opposite of OCD because OCD is restraining and confining and when you start to get some of your freedom you go you know maybe I can just be okay as a person maybe I don't have to be a perfect person you know that's that maybe 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 being okay is is great you know Um, And not striving so hard to be a size two and eat the right things and don't eat the ice cream and, you know, eat the can of green beans and sacrifice and don't have fun and don't play miniature golf and don't eat that ice cream. And then why? Like, who's got all these restrictions? Let's lift the restriction codes and live a little. And that would be my word is live a little go for it. Don't be afraid. You could have 55 false starts. Oh, well, now I'm going to go for the 56. Go for it. Have the kind of life you look back and, and say, yeah, yeah, I tried and I, and I excelled and some things I failed at, but I went for it. And to me, that is the biggest thing of life. Go for it. Don't be, don't be a person on the sidelines. Don't be dreaming. What if I would have or could have tried, try. And at least if you fail, you know, from somebody else's perspective, at least you tried and trying is everything because trying is courage and courage is a huge part of being a well-adjusted, happy person is that you have courage to wake up, face the day, plow through your OCD, whatever it is. You have courage to keep up the good fight. And when all is said and done, it doesn't all need to be a fight. It can be a gracious, fun little dance. And there's another saying, I think of these bad like wall plaques or whatever, but it says, if you stumble, make it part of the dance. And there's so much truth in that, that we all stumble, but make it part of the dance. Do the dance. Show up. That's that's such a big, 
big piece of it is show up, be active, be present, be available to life, be available to be who, not in the spiritual sense of Catholicism or, you know, Judaism or whatever, but who, who you were intended to be, be that. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. And I, I'm just, I'm so appreciative of this. I know this has been so inspiring. Um, and I know like we, when we talk to students, we kind of, you know, we, we talk about entrepreneurship in the, in the term and the, you know, frame it is more, more than just a business, but these mindsets and all of those things that you've talked about, but just letting yourself look and search for the things that, that, that light you up, that, that you, that you grab onto that, you know, you spend working on and it's two in the morning and you just realize that you've been doing something that you've enjoyed for so long and you forgot what time it was, those kinds of things that just really inspire you and to grab onto those and not be afraid to just, just go for it. And it's, it's hard. I mean, we're, we're not going to sugarcoat it. But. We're talking about inspiration. We're talking about passion. And, you know, people say, oh, my gosh, where do you find the energy? And when you are passionate and you are inspired, you do get more energy. That's just how the math goes. Um, so it's, again, back to those embers and things that light you up or, you know, um, things that make you so excited to get back to them or whatever, you can look at that and you can say, hey, is there anything I could turn into a job here? <laughs> like, is there anything that I naturally like to do? Um, some people gravitate towards people, you know. Um, some people really function much better when they're by themselves, you know. It's like, find out what um, what's going to work well for you that you're going to enjoy and feel passionate about. And then there is where you can do the building. Yeah. I love that. Um, so, wow. Well, we'll wrap up, but I just, I would love for you to share. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of speechless right now, <laughs> which my audience knows is not normal. Um, I'd love for you to share how, how folks can reach out to you if they want to learn more about your book, learn more about Retro Go-Go, how they can get, um, you know, your website, all that stuff. And we will put everything in the show notes so that they're, so that it's easy to find. Um, but I know, I mean, I have like 15 people that are going to be getting Retro Go-Go Christmas. Oh, yay. I know so many people like it, I've just, I went on your website. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I want so, so many things. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Hopefully there wasn't too much meandering going on. Um, the big bonus for your audience and for you is that I've developed a coupon code that's just for you guys, oh. just, just you, uh, with the name of your show, it is talk 30. So T A L K 30. And you put that code in at the end of, um, your purchase and that'll take 30% off of your total, which you can apply towards shipping or other products. Um, so by all means, take advantage of that special coupon. Mm, and thank you so much. Sure. Um, that is good until the end of August. So if you buy some things for yourself and you go, you know what, I think that I've got people in my life that, you know, also might like one of Doug's prints or whatever. 
um, you're going to be able to save 30%. So that'll help everybody's pocketbook. Um, the website is retroagogo.com. And I've heard just about every iteration of that, of that combination. <laughs> so I'll say it again. It's retroagogo.com. R-E-T-R-O-A-G-O-G-O.com. That's where you can find the website. Uh, the book is Leaving the OCD Circus. You can definitely find it at um, Amazon. You can find it at Barnes and Noble, independent um, bookstores, all the, all the good stuff. The one ask I do have is if you buy the book and you enjoy it or find any value or go, you know what, these actually are the breadcrumbs that that person talked about that could be helpful to other people. Please, please, please leave a review because that's how people can kind of get a, a feel for it. Um, you know, if they're not sure it'll be helpful or not, um, and you think it would, then by all means, please express that. Um, and when I was writing my book, I was like, if just one person benefits, like that's why it's worth working so hard at five in the morning writing this or whatever. I was like, if one person can benefit, it'll be worth it if one person... And the coolest thing is that I hear from people from Egypt. I hear from people from Taiwan, from New York, from, you know, Chicago. I hear from people all the time from everywhere. And that is like just a glorious love ribbon of life that I get to be a part of that magic is like, whoa. Like I never even put that kind of thing on the horizon. I was, if one person reads this and it helps one person, um, that was enough to, you know, keep me going. So I love hearing from people. I love other people's uh, stories. I can't say I love going in everybody's houses. <laughs> That's like too freaky deaky. Um, but I love people. Um, so by all means, reach out, even if it's to say, hey, I also have OCD, or hey, can you recommend, you know, the the first year of business, what's the brass and tacks of how to get your business started? How do you start an LLC? Um, I know all that stuff because I went through it and I searched it and I found it. So if in the business entrepreneurial sense, just like I collected pieces of paper and ephemera, I've collected a lot of freaking knowledge about owning your own business. So if someone's like, well, gee, could she recommend a book or um, hey, what kind of platform is your website on? Or what is a platform or whatever? Um, I've navigated the territory, folks, and I'm very happy to share what I know. So um, if you do have questions for me at all, um, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. That makes me very excited. And I just want to say, you know, where I am in my life now, being drug free and sober and kind of, you know, in a much better place, I do have more love to share and everyone in the audience wherever you are on your path whatever pain trauma dreams desires that you're working on know that I truly am giving you a big heartfelt hug from me to you and I wish you the very best on your path oh thank you so much for sharing that that's beautiful Everyone needs a big heartfelt huggy for sure. Okay. Oh, Kirsten. Uh, oh gosh. I, I can't even words can't even describe how grateful and thankful and excited I am to have you here today. This has been so inspiring 
And I hope that you can join us again sometime. I know that our audience is going to dig this so much. Yay. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this very special episode of the EntreEd Talk podcast. Again, I was so grateful to be able to interview Kirsten Pagash. If you want to reach out to her, you can check out her website, leavingtheocdcircus.com and leave a message there. And you can also check out her business at www.retroagogo.com. Thanks for listening.